Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Welcome back to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this podcast. And with me today, I have my new friend, Ellen. Ellen, welcome to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. Great to be here, Dave. Yeah. Hey, can you uh, just tell us about your life and your ministry, and what are you working on ministry project-wise? Sure. Uh, yeah, well, for about 14 years, I've been serving as the Women's Ministry Coordinator for an organization called Harvest USA. Uh, we're actually based in Philadelphia, and we've been around for about 38 years. Uh, we focus on uh, Christ-centered discipleship and church equipping regarding areas of sexuality and gender. And uh, you can find out a lot more on our website, harvestusa.org. We have a lot of free resources there, including uh, we're starting to post, as we produce them, uh, free discipleship uh, workbooks as downloads. And I'm really excited about a new women's uh, ministry workbook coming out called Sexual Faithfulness, Gospel-Infused, Practical Discipleship for Women that I co-wrote with my colleague, Shaley Lenning. That'll be out as of uh, April 16th. Um, but other than that, I'm getting ready to go to the Gospel Coalition Women's Conference in a, in a couple of weeks uh, to do some teaching there. And then I do a lot of writing uh, for our ministry here at Harvest USA. Wonderful. Well, uh, I think I, I'm familiar with you guys because you published quite a, guys have published quite a few books with New Girl Press mm-hmm. as well. So that's uh, that's really great. So I'm, yeah. I'm familiar a little bit with you guys work. So yeah. that's wonderful. Very important work you guys are doing. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your new uh, book in the 31 day devotional series, Toxic Relationships, Taking Refuge in Christ? Why did you want to write this book and how do you hope it'll be received? Yeah. Well, um, I wrote it from for a few different reasons. Uh, one is, you know, the reality is, and I would suspect you've, you've probably experienced this too, Dave, in your life as a writer is, you know, we can have these dreams of writing when we're younger but we might not anticipate the topics that God is going to lead us into. So, you know, at Harvest, I've done, as would be expected, a lot of writing uh, for women in marriages impacted by sexual sin or women who are struggling with their own sexual issues. My devotional book, Toxic Relationships, zeroes in on one of the components of relational brokenness that women and men face. And that is the idea of codependency or just when you're depending on somebody and your relationship with them basically to feel good about yourself in life, uh, things that we really need to be looking to the Lord for. And so, you know, as I've been in ministry, God has allowed different spheres of struggle to rise up around me in the people that are coming to me. And so toxic relationships is coming out of kind of God's sovereign leading in light of the the type of care I'm providing for other people. Uh, But it's also part of my own story of uh, I've I've had in the past, um, I'm thankful that 
the process I'm seeking to walk the reader through in my devotional book is something I've journeyed on myself and continue to need to, you know, watch out, wash over my heart. Um, but uh, I've had my my share of relationships, mainly friendships with women or mentoring, uh, discipleship relationships that just went off the rails from being really focused on Christ on, and on to just this unhealthy, messy dynamic of dependency that, that isn't healthy or holy. So I'm hoping as people read it, um, well, there's one thing I'm hoping it won't do, uh, and I don't think it will, but I don't, I don't want it to stir up fear or suspicion in people of, oh, you know, am I engaged in idolatry in my relationships or maybe I'm too close. I don't want it to do that, but I do want it to give hope to people that are struggling in these ways, whether if it's in a marriage, friendship, discipling relationship. Um, to I'm hoping this, my devotional book will put words on something that isn't talked about a whole lot and locate it as a common struggle for which Christ has real hope and, and wisdom. So that's, that's my hope for it. That's, uh, that's really, really good. Really, really good. And, you know, I can resonate with that too. You know, I, I could easily see somebody taking this topic and being fearful. And I think we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, just as we get started here, do you want to give us a brief overview of how our God is most the, is the most trustworthy refuge and the help he alone provides? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, as people look, look at the devotional, it's divided into, into four sections. And I'm glad you asked that question as the, the entire first section is focused on um, how God is our refuge and the closing part, the closing section of the uh, devotional is focused on Jesus. Um, I, I, I want to actually just read a, a short passage, Dave, from Psalm 57. And this is when Dave, David was hiding in a cave um, because of Saul. And he says, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge until the storms of destruction pass by. And then he says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his his purpose for me. And I love that because David, a, a leader, uh, he had had his share of popularity and success. I mean, now he's been betrayed and he's on the run. And from this cave, he's crying out to the only one in whom he can truly hide and find refuge. The only one who isn't going to turn on him, the only one who isn't going to leave him, and that is God. And so God is our refuge in thousands of ways, but I'll, I'll sum up a few thoughts here by saying that he is unchanging, unwavering in his love towards us, unwavering in his holiness and calling us out of our own messes, both and both the suffering and the sin of our messes and calling us to himself who, who, who is not only a refuge, but a redeemer, savior and heart healer and and so much more. But uh, from my own journey and so many people that I have walked with in the midst of this kind of toxicity or pollution in relationships, um, there can be a lot of shame, a lot of pain, a lot of hopelessness. And knowing that God is the one that we need to run to can give so much, I think, hope and, and comfort in the midst of, especially the initial the initial steps of the journey out of one of these kinds of relationships. Yeah, that's that's really, really good. Because, I mean, we, we can easily, you know, I'm sure our listeners, you know, recognize that, you know, in their own lives. I know I do personally. When we've, you you know, taking refuge in a relationship rather than God, you know, mm-hmm. and it's so easy to do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know 
know in your book you you have some in in part of the sections you have like some identifying markers in in our lives so what are some of the dangers of you know of people idolatry mm-hmm. yeah well um you know if it's okay i'm just i, I want to kind of uh, give a little bit of a setup for your question of even that idea of people idolatry some people might think what like how do how can people be an idol well you know we, we could go at that so many different ways and i'll just locate it in the ten commandments you know go to exodus 20 where it said where god says i will have no other gods before me in your life and that includes god's gifts and it includes the gift of of relationships and people that god is basically saying nothing or no one should rise in preeminence above me in your life Uh, no one and nothing should be the focus of your sense of identity worth making making life okay so that's that's just kind of what what we're talking about here and you know the danger of it i think is the sin you know it 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 is a sin when we are effectively turning away from the lord and going towards a relationship it it is as if we are kind of nudging the lord to the side you know step aside i i want your gift uh, more than i want you as a giver so um, this is something that really goes against god's design um but and so there's consequences of it from being distracted from other things that the Lord has for us. Um, These kinds of relationships can keep escalating and escalating, becoming that much more entangled, obsessive, um, potentially even dangerous and abusive. Like I'm not really getting into that level of toxicity in this devotional, but that is a part of where, where it can go when somebody is demanding control over you or when you are demanding that somebody be your number one. Uh, The human heart interacts with that kind of territorialism and usually doesn't go to very good places. So a lot of yeah. dangers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even I'm um, thinking even as a married a married man, you know, and a mm-hmm. Christian leader, you know, mm-hmm. even in my own marriage, I can make my wife number one and she can do the same. Now, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we're united to each other. We're supposed to be one flesh. So yes. we're not saying like those are all good things. Yes. You no, know, but where's my my love? My love for my wife has to come from the Lord mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. union with him. Mm-hmm. And if I'm if I'm pursuing Christ, I'm going to love my wife in a way that honors, honors God mm. and honors her. Mm-hmm. But if I place instead my hope in my wife and make her the focus and yeah. her the central primary thing, mm-hmm. that's where oh, I was thinking when you were talking about, I'm like, that's where we have to be so careful mm-hmm. yeah, and with all the necessary qualifications and, and more yeah. that I, that I, that I could give. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, our, our love for our spouse, our love for one another, it flows from our union with Christ and mm. we don't get that right you know mm-hmm. and th- there's been times where I'm like hey I could even see somebody thinking about this idea and I, I've, I've, I've had to wrestle with it in my marriage there was times when I just said oh Lord I need I need you to not that I don't love my wife because I really do mm-hmm. but just um, just needing to say Lord I increase my love for my increase my love knows how I'm gonna say it, for you and then for my wife mm-hmm. um, because maybe at that time I don't feel like I can love her or yeah. not that I don't but you know it's it's just yeah. one of those things where it happens and you know that that's okay too so I could I could easily mm-hmm. see somebody listening to this wondering hey what does that mean mm-hmm. you know so we just talk through it and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. well I I love the way you articulated that and even that you bring that up especially about marriage because marriage is a unique one flesh all of life uh, union as you shared and, and beautiful
beautifully so. And yet, um, any of the gifts of the Lord can become something that gets a little bit off off track. And I, I just really love the way you articulated that, that yeah, love for each other must be based on love for Christ and security and identity in Christ. Yeah, I think that a lot of married couples get that wrong. And, you know, then, then you have a whole host of problems. Um, and mm-hmm. that's just sad, you know, and but we have to help people think in the right way. Christ mm-hmm. first, then my yeah. spouse or Christ first. And then as a single person, Christ first, and then maybe somebody else or just Christ. And that's enough too. you know, yeah. he's always mm-hmm. enough, period. Mm-hmm. No, no, like, and, but, comma, ex, uh, <laughs> semicolon, just Christ, you know, all the different <laughs> grammatical features. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, what are what are disordered desires? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I talk about that in in the um, in the devotional book that that's one of the one of the foundations for a toxic relationship. And basically, by that, I'm just referring to really some of what we just talked about when our desires, even desires for good things, become something that is controlling us, something that becomes a demand. Um, so, good desires that I think reflect our image bearing quality of God, desire to love and be loved, uh, to know and be known, uh, to have purpose, to uh, have have significance. Uh, those are aspects of, I think, who God's made us to be. But when our desires are not coming from our relationship, our security in Christ, our union with the Lord, our life in the Lord, and rather they're coming out of desires that are mixing up with our own selfishness, our own unbelief and insecurity, then those desires, one way we could call them is disordered. They're not ordered rightly in the sense of love for the Lord flowing into love for people and love for people uh, also flowing into our love for the Lord. It's like that desire for what we can get from a person uh, rises and becomes exalted to a place uh, that God hasn't intended it to. Yeah, that's really good. I mean, there's so many challenges today with so many things, you know, with COVID, with vaccines and Mm. all those things. And, you know, we can easily prioritize those things over people mm. that's where we have a problem you know it's mm-hmm. it's whether somebody takes the I just want to be clear on this here whether somebody takes the vaccine or whether they wear a mask or not that's a that's a Romans 14 thing to me it's mm-hmm. a preference thing um you know I have my personal convictions on those things and um not going to talk about those but here but just just to say you know those are preference things you know I was uh preaching two weeks ago and most of the people in the church weren't wearing a mask but there was one lady who was wearing a mask and I just wanted to say, she was like, I know I'm just wearing my mask because I feel, I don't feel safe. And I said to her, you keep wearing that mask, you know? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just want you to know you handled that really well. Because <laughs> it's it's just a, it's just a, not a, it's not a conscious binding thing. It's whatever mm-hmm. that person feels most comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, you know? And it's again, why we just talked about it. It's loving God and loving people. And that's a real mm-hmm. tangible thing that we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. the other thing um, I think is, is that we can get distracted that's I guess that's what I'm saying is that we like you're saying too is that we get distracted and so we make those you know preferential things more important than the person and that's that's obviously sinful
sinful, right? That's mm-hmm. that would be sinful mm-hmm. if we're placing, you know, those things over Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I I like the way you know one of the biblical counselors that first really discipled me in this topic was Ed Welch at CCF and his book When People Are Big and God Is Small, and he he names it. He says people are our favorite idol, and a part of our growth process is learning to love people rather than need them or demand something from them, which isn't, you know, setting us up to be stoic, isolated, lone ranger people that don't need any other people because, you know, we're the body of Christ. Uh, we are members of each other. But the main idea there is, am I, and you, you've already kind of named it, like you could have written this devotional book, Dave, <laughs> that we, we're loving people out of our fullness in Christ so that I don't have to demand something from them or uh, I don't have a half full cup and I'm saying to somebody, would you please fill up my cup? So I'm okay. No, we, we are complete and full in Christ and let that flow out to, to people with, again, rightly ordered desires and um, coming from our, our hope in Christ. Yeah. Well, you've already written the book and it's really <laughs> So thank you for your work. Yeah. yeah. What does it mean to have a misplaced hope in relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, our, our conversation kind of flow, flows into that. It's, uh, you know, it would be another, another angle on that disordered desire. So a mis, misplaced hope. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of use you as an example in light of what you just shared and then um, yeah, use a, use an it. example from, from the book because I've got four different relational dynamic case studies in the book. But, you know, you, you just shared beautifully about love for your wife and the beauty of God's design for marriage. So mis, mis, misplaced hope would be if you were looking to your wife or your marriage to make you secure as a man. Uh, can your shared love together encourage you and build you up? Absolutely, it's meant to. But, you know, scripture says clearly that it's only God that is the God of all hope. And as that hope is Romans 15, uh, 13, which says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and trust as you believe in him. And so misplaced hope might be kind of changing around that verse and saying, as I'm in relationship with you, dear wife, or the person I'm counseling or friend, uh, you make me abound in hope. You give me all joy. You make life okay. And and once again, Exodus 20, God clearly says, no, no one is to replace me in your life as the source of ultimate hope, joy, love. Like n- not even the sweetest relationships that I've given to you as a gift. And I'm, I'm speaking for the Lord there, so I need to be careful, but I, I think you know what I'm, what I'm trying to co- make come across is misplaced hope is when basically um, we aren't looking to the Lord as our ultimate hope and trying to find it in his creation. Yeah, that's really, really good. Really, really good. So the other one, and I'll just use myself because you, you remind me of it. I am a single woman. Um, and yet where I've seen this dynamic, the toxicity of it has been in the midst of, as I shared earlier, in mentoring relationships. And where how that was manifested was my hope was in being needed and being the go-to source of counsel and being basically I was a needy to be needed caregiver discipler and you can imagine the toxic recipe that happens when that kind of person me connects up with somebody who's very needy to be taken care of and that can happen in dating relationships or marriages or lots of different types of pastors you know congregants um so for me that's kind of how that played out there was the hope of feeling okay and secure because somebody needed me and wanted my counsel, my uh, supposed wisdom. And as long as that was happening, then I 
felt pretty good. But if that was threatened, I didn't feel so good. Um, so all of these are just different ways that that hope and even those desires can can get off the, the rails from what Christ wants to bless us with. Yeah, that's really good. What are some things individually as Christians we can do to pursue relational health? Yeah, well, uh, you know, first, I think we just need to know what are godly relationships? Like what is God's design for friendship, uh, for marriage, for brothers and sisters in Christ? Like how how is the household of faith meant to function together truly as family, a spiritual family? And honestly, Dave, I think that's a, a huge part of it is discipling, uh, discipleship, teaching, um, helping people understand what healthy relationships are from a biblical Christ-centered point of view. I think that's a huge thing. Um, other things would be, um, of course, our, our own relationship with Christ. Uh, he is the Holy One, a 100% healthy relationship um, that we can have in our life. I mean, while we live on this side of the heaven, our <clears throat> our sin, our unbelief is going to impact that, impact that. But of course, our relationship with Him, our union with Him, as you've already mentioned, is, is a key part of that. But you know, on, on a real practical level, I mean, and not that those things aren't practical, but uh, I think a key aspect for me and others has been uh, staying away from having just a go-to one person BFF. Um, and I would once again pull the marriage relationship aside a little bit because that is a uniqueness. And a, a, I would pull the marriage relationship to the side a little bit on that because that is a unique uh, one oneness of life relationship. But so often toxic relationships uh, develop when there is a targeting or a zeroing in or a focus on one person or one relationship. And I've really come to see one of the things that keeps me, I think, not only centered on Christ, but healthy in my relationships is having multi-layers, multi-faceted relationships um, rather than just having one or even two people that I'm always going to. I've got a wide variety uh, with both singles, couples, people my age, people younger than me. Uh, really having having all facets of relationships within the household of, of faith um, among God's people. That's really good. Really good. What, what are what do you think are some of the hindrances that people might have that might stop them from pursuing relational health? And, and what can the church do about this? Yeah, well, you know, kind of following up on what I just shared, I think one of those hindrances is just not knowing, <clears throat> you know, not knowing what some people have, have grown up with these kinds of relationships is the only thing they really know. So they might not even think to pursue something different. But then other than that would be just busyness of life. Um, people might be kind of entangled in one of these things, but they're busy. Uh, they're kind of wondering what's it going to take to change the dynamics here or even to walk away from this, you know, take, put some space between me and this person. But then I think the two, the two others that are probably most prominent would be the isolation that often happens in the midst of one of these things. These kinds of toxic connections tend to to um, bring two people into this orbit of two, a, a circle of two, and there's no no one's getting in and no one's getting out. So that in of itself is you feel stuck or even trapped. And then that kind of leads to, I think, another thing that hinders people from pursuing health out of one of these types of things is shame. You know, I felt so much shame as a woman who just kept getting into these codependent messes with other women um, in, in the context of friendship or in the context of um, mentoring 
relationships. And honestly, Dave, you know, I, I did seek out help and people, you know, had some encouraging things to share, but there weren't there until I read Ed Welch's book, um, When People Are Big and God is Small, I had never had the struggle I was experiencing named biblically as, mm. yeah, there's there's idolatry going on. Um, and, and that's a part of the passion in even writing a, a devotional on this topic. And I've gotten to do quite a bit of teaching on this at different conferences. And generally, people have that same response that I had when I read Ed's book of, oh, like, yeah, this really maps on to what's been happening in this part, in this relationship in my life. But I've never had anybody name it from a Christ-centered biblical point of view. So I'm kind of going beyond your specific question, but I, I do think one of the biggest hindrances is we don't know what relational health is. And when we're in a mess, we don't know how to get out. No, I, I, I think that is really, really good because I, I agree. You know, when, when I was in that, I didn't realize how selfish I was, how self-centered mm. I was mm-hmm. you know, mm. before I was married. And then mm-hmm. during that same period, um, shortly around that same time, I did realize that because the Holy Spirit made it very clear to me because I started thinking about it. Here I am. I'm a Christian leader. I'm teaching, doing these things. And mm. woo! then I'm like, wow, that's really just thinking about it. I'm like, wow, that's really selfish. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then boom, the light came on and Holy Spirit just went kaboom. And I'm like, ow. (laughs) Well, I, I, I so resonate with what you're saying because I had a very similar experience, um, related to a younger woman that I had been mentoring and I had become very dependent on her need of me. And yet in the midst of it, I was blind to that selfishness. I was blind to the fact that I was really using her neediness to feel good about myself. Because I thought, I was really thinking, wow, I am so loving. Like, I am always available for her. I'm always um, taking initiative with her, even though I wasn't feeling really free. And it was it was a couple years later, you know, when I was kind of in my own process of repentance and healing and change that I had those same wake up calls. And I, I felt led and I, I did. I went back to this younger sister and I asked for her forgiveness and said, you know, I I was really in a place of my own unhealth, uh, of selfishness in the in the context of when we were in this mentoring relationship. And it was very humbling, but it was so freeing to take that step, like naming what it was. And even it was a part of the Lord's redemption and restoration in, in that relationship as well. But it was, yeah, like you, very hard and humbling to see those blinders come off. Yeah, it hurts. Mm. It's hard. It hurts it's and, hard is, and humbles. Yeah, and, it, and, and it's good to go. And like you just said, I, I had to do the same and humble myself or the ladies and those things. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. How does, how does uh, well, we're talking about this subject and it'd be easier for our listeners, I think, at this point to think, well, wow, you really maybe touched on something in my life and, you know, um, we don't want to leave them stuck there. We want to take mm-hmm. them to Jesus. So how does, how does how does Jesus help us with those particular things? You know, mm-hmm. what, how does growing in our understanding of Jesus help us in our own relational health? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so many things I could share, but, you know, for, for, the, for the listener in particular, as you've mentioned, that may be kind of seeing themselves in, in the midst of some of what we're talking about. First, I would say, you know, comfort. Uh, Christ is, yes, our holy Lord to whom we belong, and he's a comforter. Um, You know, as Dane Ortland's book, Gentle and Lowly, has been discipling so many of us about Christ's heart, he, Christ, Christ's heart is for you, and he he wants to help you. He wants to rescue you, counsel you, and and bring you out of, bring you out of the the suffering and the sin that you may be involved in in the midst of this relationship. Um, And 
and he is with us in the midst of it. Uh, Christ is is not a shamer. He's not going to turn away from us. In fact, he stays with us in the course of, of walking walking into some new ways of, of relationship, new ways of relating. And, and a part of that, because there will be some relationships where either significant space needs to be put in place for a, an indefinite season or some relationships may even need to end. And, you know, once again, I'm not talking about parent-child relationships or, or marriage relationships necessarily. Um, but in the midst of the excruciating pain, because these kind of emotional entangled relationships are so painful to pull apart from, uh, Christ and his people will be there to help you walk this out. And I guess I should say that uh, explicitly, Dave, is that Christ helps us through his people. He's not asking you to do this alone. He's not asking you to try to work this out with the person and say, we've got to disentangle ourselves. No, you need to reach outside, find a trusted other person um, that the Lord will, the Lord will raise up for you to, to, to walk, to begin to walk a new way. Um, but I, I can't emphasize it enough. It most likely will be very painful, but it can be healing pain rather than enslaving pain, which is what toxic relationships do to us. Yeah, that's, that's really, really good. You know, we're talking about uh, Jesus as our refuge. Which, which aspect mm-hmm. of, of this is, is most meaningful to you as you know, as you studied it, as you wrote on book? Yeah, I, I love you. I love that you're asking that. You know, the whole last section of the devotional, um, intentionally, it's the longest section. And it's days 22 to 31, where I focus in on Jesus is the loving refuge who provides all of you need, all you need. And, you know, I, there's a, it's hard to pick one, but I will say one of the themes in my own spiritual journey over the past couple of years has been Christ as the bridegroom. Uh, in the first section of the book, I talk about God being the eternal source of spousal love. And we know that from scripture, the redemptive story heading towards the wedding supper of the lamb, where Christ, the bridegroom is joined to his bride, his people for all time. So I, I'm a part of the bride, the, I'm a part of of the bride of Christ um, corporately, uh, but also as a as a follower of Him, there's aspects of that bridal relationship that I have in light of Him being the eternal bridegroom. And there's something about that and union with Christ that is just uh, it's been really transformational for me. Um, and transformational, hopefully, as I've gotten to disciple single and married women on that who who themselves, like me, are on a journey towards uh, relational holiness and health. Yeah, really, really good. Well, kind of I've touched on this a little bit this question but um, you know somebody is listening they're they're really wondering hey how what would you say to somebody who is struggling with the markers of a toxic relationship they want to know maybe now what's next for them what would you mm-hmm. say to them mm-hmm. yeah well um, you know and first I would say you're not alone um, there's so many you know Dave and I have both kind of shared that you know this is an aspect that's risen up in our life in different circumstances uh, this is more common than I think what we would ever believe uh, so you're not alone. Um, the the next the next step, and and really this would be the next main one, is that um, you, you need to you need to talk to somebody, not the person that you're in this entanglement with. Um, if this is a, a marriage relationship that you sense is mm, something's gotten really unhealthy here, talk to your spouse about it, but also bring somebody else in. Like I think every marriage, just like every single person, we need outside people that are helping, encouraging, loving, praying for us. Uh, so for 
for you, um, for, for, for you, listener, uh, look around you, pray and ask the Lord to help you. If some, if somebody doesn't come to mind right away of who you might talk to, pray and ask the Lord and look around of who's somebody that seems to have a, uh, a life characterized by healthy relationships. Uh, they're not possessive. Uh, they're not territorial. They seem very, um, free in the way they can love people without demanding. And that might be somebody to go to and just initially ask to pray for you and to help you process what to do in the context of that relationship. Um, I want to mention too that my book does have a list of resources, different books that I respect, uh, that I believe in, um, that have helped me and helped others uh, on this topic. Uh, So that would be another starting place to go to for uh, biblical resources that might help you think through um, how how to step forward in your own journey. Yeah, that's really good. You know, what we're talking about is being honest, right? Mm, Yes. Yeah. And then doing that with somebody else, Mm. a trusted person. But we also need to say if we're pursuing relational health, we're going to be that person. Mm. Mm -hmm. And and that's a good thing, too. So as you're pursuing this, this relational health, you know, over time, people will see you as that trusted person and they'll Mm. want to share, be that person that they go to to share. So be ready for that too. prepare yourself. Yeah. All Mm. of that. I love that. All of us in the church should be pursuing that kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. we're all, you know, the one another's in scripture are six mm. one bear each other's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. All, that's that's all of us. You know, that's mm-hmm. not the pastor's mm-hmm. only job. That's not mm-hmm. your elders only job. That's not the deacon's only job or deaconess <laughs> or whatever. It's mm-hmm. every member of the church. Mm-hmm. It's all of us men mm-hmm. and women. That's, yeah. that's our job. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we need to help each other mm-hmm. to that. And, and that's mm-hmm. why we have to grow together. So, amen. And I think, and have conversations like this together, which for me, it's, it's a part of that redemptive story. Like I never thought I would be talking about these things that once were so enslaving and full of shame for me. And now God is, is allowing me that blessing to hopefully be able to encourage others from those broken places that have been a part of, of my stories. I love that you, you've kind of brought that in Dave about receiving God's care and then offering God's care. Love that. Amen. And hey, that's just God's grace, you know? Hey, yeah, All amen. Right. We're yeah. servants of grace. <laughs> yes. yeah. There you go. There you go. Can't get around that one. Can't get around it. Yeah. Nope. All right. Well, where can people go to find out more about your work online on, you know, on maybe your website or Harvest USA or on social media or otherwise? Yeah, uh, I am on um, Facebook and Instagram. You can look for me under Ellen Mary Dykus. That's kind of my full name, um, which you'll, that'll be listed listed probably with the, the show notes on this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have my own website at this point, but I, I do blog a lot and write for Harvest USA. Uh, so you can just go to harvestusa.org and look for resources and you'll find magazines, um, blog posts, videos as well, um, and also a link to our store uh, where all of our, our books and resources, including, as I mentioned, that workbook for women that'll be released, uh, Sexual Faithfulness, that'll all be there. Wonderful. You know, Ellen, just as we wrap up, just, just talk to the talk to those who are listening. Give them a few takeaways. Maybe they're still wondering what they do with this uh, information. You know about the book. Just just you know talk directly to them about mm-hmm. this type of thing. Um, yeah. Well, Dave, actually, I want to kind of close up our time by answering that question by going to something I share at the very beginning of the devotional um, in the intro, and I actually quote Psalm 16, which has been a key text for me in my own process. And this is where 
David says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. So right there, there's some of that. Uh, all of our good ultimately comes from the Lord. And then these two next verses, three and four, really kind of lay out, lay out both health and unhealth. David says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. That's God's God delighting in us, delighting in the gift of his people. But next verse, the sorrows of those who run after another God, including people, shall multiply. And so takeaways are, it is so worth it to run towards the Lord, our refuge. It is so worth it to develop a rich, robust uh, community of relationships among God's saints and unbelievers as well. You know, we don't want to just be isolated among God's people, uh, among unbelievers as well, so that we can be the fragrance of Christ. But then I, I do share this, that there is a sober warning, is that when we run after people more than God, it's going to lead to multiplied sorrow. That's a sober promise that we don't have to go towards if we will stay focused on our true refuge of, of Jesus. That's so good. Well, Alan, it's been a blessing to talk to you today. You've done a wonderful job. Thank you so much for your mm. time. God bless you. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.